Hello, and welcome to Trek Companion. This is episode 312. I am your host, Brian Williams. I am Adam Caesar. I'm Stephen Embry. And today we're going to discuss Star Trek Picard's first season episodes, Nepenthe and Broken Pieces. Here we go. Nepenthe, season one, episode seven, original release date, March 5th, 2020. Directed by Doug Arniokoski, written by Samantha Humphrey and Michael Chabon. Guest cast include Jonathan Frakes as William T. Riker, Marina Sirtis as Deanna Troy, Jonathan Del Arco as Hugh, Peyton List as Narissa, Tomlin Tomita as O, Derek Webster as Tarrant, Lulu Wilson as Kestra Troy Riker, and Kay Bess as La Serena Computer. Before the mission, Jurate was approached by O, who used a Vulcan mind meld to reveal the horrifying potential consequences of allowing synthetic life like Soji to exist. Jurate agrees to help destroy her as well as kill Dr. Maddox and ingested a tracking device. On Nepal, Picard reunites with old friends and colleagues William Riker and Deanna Troy and their daughter, Kirsta. Troy and Riker can see Soje's pain following Nurek's betrayal and help Picard begin to earn her trust. The family also try to help Soji come to terms with being an android. You need a place to hide out. Shields up! Remitter scans to Max! We've had a little trouble around here lately with the Xinti. Best to run anti-cloaking scans to Romulans? Mm -hmm. Initiate anti-cloaking scans. A time you were flying off to Romulus to plan the great supernova rescue. Do you remember what I said? So you want to be ass deep in Romulans for the rest of your life? I believe I also reminded you of Newton's fourth law of thermodynamics. No good deed goes unpunished. Right. I told Kestra to show your friend how to find the shower. Thank you. She's a friend. Soji. She appears fully human. Her face, her voice, her body language all express clear emotion. The poor thing seems traumatized. But? I sense nothing. I can't read her. I think I'm in over my head. All right. So our first uh, our first episode back after the holidays. By the way, just a quick programming note. Uh, apologize, apologies, listeners, that our holiday episode actually went up a few days late. Um, your humble editor took ill and was unable to cut and post that episode. Uh, at the normally scheduled time. I'm sorry about that. But I hope you guys enjoyed it, uh, listening to it as much as we enjoyed recording it. And now we're back to our regularly scheduled programming. And Steve's uh, back. Our second to last. And Steve is back. This is our second to last episode on Picard's first season. Steve, returning champion, kick us off on Nepenthe. Yeah, so this episode kind of marks a point whereby we are getting some answers. Um, they have the uh, three weeks ago segment where we learn exactly what Gerardi experienced to that explains why she took some, apparently took some crazy uh, actions later on. Um, we, uh, we, we have this ongoing thing with uh, Hugh on the Borg ship, the Romulans, it's all kind of coming to a head at this point, and we're in episode 7 of 10 for the season, so that kind of makes sense. And then, of course, we have the um, much-anticipated uh, guest appearance by guest appearances by Jonathan Frakes and Marina Sirtis that we saw in trailers leading up to the first season. Um, it was really interesting to see. You know, we kind of lose track of time. I know we've said this before, but it's it's amazing how much time has passed between roughly nowish and you know when 
next-gen movies took place, let alone next-gen. And so essentially it's a generation of time, you know, people have children, they grow up, they, you know, and so on. So it's, but we, we learn about their history. It's a, it's a very touching situation. It's, um, and I think, I think I, I felt emotion just seeing these characters together again. I mean, it's, um, it, it's, it's, it's one thing you have one character from the series, you know, Picard is Picard, you know, right. But then when they all start coming together and then you remember the past and then it all kind of comes back to you, at least I felt that way. Um, you know, being such a fan of next gen and coming, coming, you know, you know, grew up, grew up growing up during next gen. So that meant a lot to me. Um, so we are, um, a lot of different subplots are coming to a head as well. And I think this is kind of one of those episodes. I, I like that, that at least a, a good chunk of it is away from everything. You know, you have different things going on, Picard's on Nepenthe with uh, the Rikers and and so on. So you kind of have a, a little break, a little breather from what's been happening, and you get some explanation. And what's consistent also that we've all talked about as we progress through season one is that it's better the second time because the plot is so convoluted. So um, that that's my initial take on this episode. Yeah, that that last sentence there is definitely going to be my refrain when we get to the next episode today. Adam, your first thoughts on Nepenthe? Excuse me. Yeah, I'm in agreement with Steve. That's it's it's an enjoyable episode. I wouldn't say it's a perfect episode, but it's definitely enjoyable. This the nostalgia of it, especially the first time around. And I'm you know I was wondering, I was curious watching it the second time around if I would like it as much, less, or more. And I feel like I liked it just about the same. Um, there are some definitely some good emotional scenes in um in this episode. One in particular, um, the Riker's daughter Kestra. Um, you know the scene um with her and Sochi in her room, and I, I thought the actress who the who they had played the daughter um did it was good in this scene because you know they were talking you know so she was like I <clears throat> I was just coming to grips with you know the last bit of. I was still hanging on to the fact that I was going to be human. And, you know, the actors, you know, that was just kind of a somber moment. And it, and it was good because it wasn't much said and it kind of brought you in. It's like, oh, you kind of imagine like, okay, I'm not really human. All of this is kind of a lie. And that's a, what a lot of this episode's about is Soje coming to kind of come into terms with who she is and, you know, and who are the people that she can trust. Um, so, um, yeah, I think it's definitely a good episode on many different levels. I mean, I remember enjoying this episode more than any other of this first season, the first time I saw the show. I think that's still true this time. I really want to qualify that. I I don't think it's it's entirely or just a nostalgia thing that makes this episode enjoyable. It's because this episode slows things down and feels like an actual episode of television that you can follow. You know, it's not that, I don't know, we keep referencing uh, Discovery for being so chaotic and hectic and all over the map and constant and bam, bam, bam. I mean, this, this show is made by the same people and it's, it's, this show is the same. The show has the same issues. Um, it, it's so busy and there's, it's so convoluted. You're almost unable to like it or dislike it. <laughs> uh, this episode allows you to s- sit down and watch it <laughs> and breathe and enjoy it. Um, and, in, and in some ways it's sad because it makes me think they have every, all the resources they need to make a good show. They just don't most of the time. But here they're showing us that the, every, everything behind this episode really isn't all that different from the other episodes. And like Adam said, it's not like this is the greatest episode ever. 
but it's definitely the best episode of this of the first season of this show. Um, it's certainly the most enjoyable, and it's certainly the most um, coherent. And all of that stuff isn't just because we get to see Troy and Riker. It really isn't. That's a that's a fun add on top for me. In a, in a lot of ways, this episode is okay. You know, the first this is episode seven or six, right? Um, seven. So yeah, the first six episodes have kind of gone quickly, um, and this definitely feels like an act change. But not only is it an act change, it also lets us kind of digest everything that's gone on in the first six six episodes. And um, so they do a good job just let it, letting the audience take a break. And I guess that would probably be a better better way to binge watch. You know, if you're binge watching this, sometimes you you know it's just when you get this continuous action going on and on, it just you yeah. So it's good to have like a break in the action. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think it it, it comes to that it comes to the crux of it comes to the notion that we've talked about before. It's that it's because this is, this is a character driven episode versus a plot driven episode. It's not convoluted. It's yeah. let's, let's set the stage for an interesting situation and, and characters. And, and plus we care about them more too, right? Cause not only, uh, you know, some of the, some of the character, the guest characters, quote unquote, are, to, to add to the, the, the feel of it, to make it, to make it even more legitimate, our characters, you know, we have a history with, or at least most viewers of the show have a history with. So all that together is going to be much more meaningful than just A to B to B to C and if this, then this, and, and so on, which so much of this uh, series has, has, has had is the, this plot driven stuff that we get lost in. On the other story with Chirati, you know, we get to digest what was going on with her because the first time I watched this, it kind of seemed out of the blue that she killed him. Why did she kill this guy? And so you kind of get an explanation of this. I guess my one, one of my things I would, I didn't need the whole montage of the planets and everything. I would have preferred like um, the, they just left it to your imagination. Okay. She's, she's given this image and then she vomits. I could be like, okay, it, it had to be bad. Whatever they showed her. And that's, you know, because there's no way they're going to show me something in a half a second that makes me say, Oh, sure. I understand why she killed the love of her life. Yeah. That's, that's stupid. Yeah. You can't. It's impossible. It can't be yeah. done. No, no image is going to do that. So yeah, I agree. It would have been. I mean, it still would have been dumb. But it is. It would have been better to just show nothing and just show the look on her face as the Vulcan mind melt. Yeah, her throwing. You know, her vomiting or convulsing. It's like okay, as an audience member, you can be like, all right, I don't know what she just saw, but it must have been pretty bad. Because <laughs> when you see just the planets blowing up and these flashing images, you're like, yeah, it's not really that bad for a couple seconds. Yeah, they kind of went halfway there, right? They didn't like try to to explain exactly what it is that would make someone vomit or kill themselves or whatever else happens. Instead, they just kind of show all this nonsense blurb stuff. And I agree, probably just doing nothing would have been would have been better. The uh, beginning of the next episode, kind of the same issue, but so I mean, speaking of Jurati, did you guys was that a, did they do enough to make her the victim? Uh, I I don't know. I, I mean, I don't recall how how or if they address this further in this season. I don't remember, but I do know that uh, she carries on, right? So she's killed somebody and we move along. So um, it's a, that's a big deal. You kill someone, it's also a big deal what she went through. I mean, it's very difficult to write yourself out of that mess that they created for themselves. So I'm, I'm not sure. We'll revisit in a couple episodes. We, uh, we think Q is going to make it, uh, but then he doesn't.
Yep, indeed. Yeah, that was a pretty. I thought that was a pretty brutal execution early on. You know, killing his board, you know, his compadres there. Well, and it, and it felt a little, I don't know, pointless. But this show doesn't have any problem with bringing back old characters and killing them, like Echeb and Bruce Maddox and Hugh. At least uh, Jonathan DeLarco got a few episodes paycheck out of it. <laughs> Something I, I, that struck me during this episode, I don't know if anyone else agrees, is that it felt kind of contrived when, um, you know, after a drink or two that Picard came back and said some nasty stuff to Soji and then, you know, Marina jumped on him. It seemed like it, that was a little contrived. It didn't seem in character at all for Picard to even go yeah, there. Yeah, 110%. I- I felt like they just wanted drama here. It was just a forced writing thing. Because he comes up there, you know, and everything you're saying, you everything we've seen about Picard in this show up until now, not just with other any characters, but specifically with Daj or Soji, his response, you would think, would be incredibly compassionate, right? And instead he's a dick. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I had kind of in my notes that some of the writing in this episode the, I think the story that they told and the way they executed it was good, but some of the dialogue writing in this episode I kind of thought was weak. I also didn't, I didn't care for the scene with Picard and Deanna. You know when they're when they're in their son's room and she kind of, you know, she's an empath and she's always been very open and, you know, and obviously the death of a of a, of a child is would be traumatic on anybody, but it's been a number of years and it just kind of felt like she closed off there. And I'm like, why did they kind of make that choice? Why wouldn't she talk more about it? Um, so I don't, I don't know if they just didn't have the dialogue for it or they just have the, the time, but I didn't, I thought that scene could have been more when they were talking about the death of her son. Yeah. I think that's a, a fair point. Uh, I did like the character Kestra. You know, that was interesting. This, the story, all the, all those scenes were compelling Kestra telling, Soji about data. It was interesting, you know. Troy talking about the reasons they ended up on the, on that planet. All the little homeworldy story, you know, dialogue. It's it was interesting. It was good. It made me want to get a an oven so I could make my own pizza. <laughs> Thought about doing that before get fried back. You know. I definitely enjoyed the scenes between Picard and Riker. They're the same, but they're subtly different because, you know, in Next Gen, obviously it's captain, first officers, you know, support and that kind of thing. This, they felt, just the actors, because they know each other so well and they're so comfortable with each other. It was so subtle, the difference between their relationship now and back then. It's the same, but it isn't. Where it's not a, it's, it's a friendship. It's not a, a working environment. And um, I I really enjoyed um, their scenes together. The characters were certainly more human, especially Riker. Well, the next episode, I don't think it was this one, but in the next one, there's an interesting scene there where uh, Soji asks Picard if he loved Data. And it wasn't. it did make me think a little bit about this episode. You know, if he had known Data now, I think he probably could say that he did love him more but he when asked that question he had to think about the man that he was then you know and it's a subtly different answer but a different answer he couldn't just come out and say yes because he was the captain and you know well we gotta wait till the next season to get into picard's reasons for denying love (laughs) 
Yeah, oh, shiza. <laughs> Jurati zaps herself to get rid of the Viridium? The tracker. The mm-hmm. tracking. Meanie sister kills Hugh. We got that. Kestra gives Soji a broken compass. Well, that's kind of a crappy gift. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What is this episode about? What I was mentioning before, um, you know, with Soji, it's coming to terms with who you are. And there's subtleties throughout this episode um, with each character. I think it's blatantly obvious for, for Soji. She, you know, she thought she was human and now she realizes that she's an android and basically her whole life was a lie. Um, we see that in the, in the Rikers more subtly, you know, the, the death of their son, that they're still dealing and coping with that. Um, um, Tarati, you know, she's dealing with um, what she's dealing with, um, you know, becoming this evil person, crazy person, just on this, these visions and hallucinations things that were given to her by um, Ho. <laughs> and um, yeah, and then that kind of leads into, it'll lead into the next episode with um Holy crap! I forgot his the um the captain of the the ship um Rios. Not yeah, re, yeah. I'm completely spazzing here. So yeah, that, that's kind of what I took from this episode. Yeah, I think it does focus on that notion. I mean, Soji is the is the center of it because this is the first. I mean, the first episode that centers on her since she's she's discovered her true nature and uh but there's echoes of that throughout this episode because it is character driven it's focused on characters and and that's what makes it like like you said the the what's probably the best episode of the first season is because it is focused on character the the dialogue we have you bring back these characters their interactions but everyone's constantly having to to kind of assess who they are. And so much of that is uh, dependent on the relationships that people have with each other, you know, and, and uh, I think, I think, I think that's basically what this episode is focused on. And kind of how everybody's also in flux. Even the Rikers there are, are in flux. All right, let's do six degrees for Nepente. Steve. Yep. Jonathan Frakes appears as William Riker. Name the five Star Trek shows in which he has played this character. The five Star Trek series? Yeah. That he's played? William Riker. Riker. Oh, gotcha. All right. Uh, Well? Do it in chronological order. (laughs) Star Trek The Next Generation. Oh, that's the hard one. Yeah. Uh, To pull that one out. Star Trek Deep Space Nine, Star Trek Voyager, Star Trek Enterprise, Star Trek Picard. Nope. Adam? Okay. Um, Enterprise, Next Gen. He was not in Deep Space Nine. It was Thomas. So Voyager, um, Picard, and Lower Decks. Oh, yes. Adam got it. That's right. It was Thomas Riker that was in DS9. I didn't. I wasn't trying to make a trick question, but <laughs> sorry about that. Uh, so Adam gets the point. Uh, I think, if I read correctly, that uh, he's the only actor to play the same character on five different shows for Star Trek. So that's pretty cool. All right, Adam has one. Moving on. Broken Pieces, Season 1, Episode 8. Original release date, March 12, 2020. Directed by Maha Virillo. Written by Michael Shaban. Guest cast include Peyton List as Nerissa. Anne Magnuson as Kirsten Clancy, Tamlin Tomita as O, Rebecca Wisoski as Ramda, and Derek Webster as Tarrant. 
Picard and Sochi beam aboard the La Sanira, and Rios has a panic attack when he sees Sochi. When Gerardi wakes up, she offers to turn herself over to Starfleet, and after meeting Sochi, she chooses not to harm her. On the artifact, Seven and Nine arrives to help Elnor fight the Romulans. She connects with the cube and the Borg's drones that are in stasis, and in essence becomes the Borg queen of the cube. What if they're right? They may be right about what happened 200,000 years ago. The past is written, but the future is left for us to write. And we have powerful tools, Rios. Openness, optimism, and the spirit of curiosity. All they have is secrecy and fear. And fear is the great destroyer, Rios. All right, Adam, kick us off on Broken Pieces. Broken Pieces. So this episode is paced very similarly similarly to the last episode. Um, we started off, like I said, Picard and Soche beam aboard, and Rios kind of, you know, they have he has that scene with Picard where he's just kind of frozen and, like, petrified like a deer in headlights. And I remember watching this the first time, and it was very much, it's very much out of the character for him from what we've seen of him to this point. You know, we haven't gotten a whole lot of background. We get little pieces that he was in Starfleet, um, we haven't gotten a whole lot from him at this point. So I remember that because this time around when I'm watching that, I completely forgot towards the end, like, you know, he was his captain killed um, two of Soshi's sisters, basically. So I remember that kind of took me about halfway through this episode or it took me longer than it should have to remember sister and a brother. Yeah. Sister and brother. It took me longer than it should have to remember what had happened. Um, but I do remember the first time going, God, this is kind of weird. What's going on with this guy? He's just, all of a sudden he's just, was he manic you know he's in his quarters he's drinking he won't talk to anybody and you don't you know as the audience and everybody else in the ship you don't find out until a good three quarters of the way into the episode so i remember that kind of being strange but at, the payoff at the end is good because then you find out how all these pieces connect and that's a lot of how this episode is it's like putting all the the pieces together so she, throughout this episode, she kind of, I feel like she just gradually remembers more and more and more and more throughout this episode of who she is. And these other memories come up um, um, about all the things that she remembers. So if the last episode was just for us as the audience to kind of decompress and kind of take in, you know, what had just happened the previous six episodes, this episode kind of feels like it puts everything more together about what's going on. And that's what I... Those were my first thoughts on it. Steve? Yeah, so, I mean, we are kind of back into the plot-driven episodes of this series. And, um, you know, they, they they juggle a lot of things, and it's 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 often too much. I mean, I think I think the the thing is that it's good to see a, a, a plot, a, you know, a character piece with Rios. And, you know, he's great and all of that, playing the character. But the, the uh, creation of these siblings of... Uh, Soji and getting killed by his captain and so on and so forth kind of to me kind of is like a an example of creating more plot convoluted stuff when you don't need it you know it's like if, if you're going to create an episode that's about the length of what you want to make it, it it's almost like they they just do one thing too many every time you know and i'm not saying that is an awful thing and i'm glad that he got something to do and and he did you know the actor's great and all of that it's just to me, it felt like this is an example of when you create some little subplot and you barely have time to t- 
tie up the ends that you already created, all these loose ends, and you create another thing. So you have to tie up. We only got two and a half episodes left in this in the first in this first season. So you know, it's kind of more of the same in that regard. Although I do I do like the characters. I like you know, there's a lot of fun stuff going on here, and it's you know, Trek and great and all that. But I do I do think it's consistent with what they've done in these plot driven episodes so far. I was gonna say it's nice to see Seven and Nine be about get to be a badass. Well, that's cool. Yeah, she's cool. Yeah. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, no, I, my notes were like, when I wrote, Rios tells a story that his old captain was ordered to kill Janna that looked like Soji, and then captain killed himself after Rios confronted him. Then it was covered up, and Rios was kicked out of Starfleet after he broke down. And this is all just sentences and in the scene. And then I wrote, gosh, this is getting convoluted. Not to mention... And this is me not talking about my notes, but not to mention what are the odds that he's the one who ended up in this position and with this connection to yeah. the one synth. And I think it would have been beneficial to start this storyline with him a few episodes back. Just like, okay, he's got a problem. Just kind of st- start introducing it to it. Because like I said, it's all of, the, all of a sudden <laughs> Rios has got a problem. That doesn't even talk at all about the, the big picture backstory stuff that we get out of this one where we finally understand okay so 100 or 200 or 300,000 years ago some other species brought suns together and then put a planet in it so they could put out the message that artificial life is bad and then the Romulans picked it up and interpreted it a certain way I mean all that stuff is coming in through here you know what would have been cool because you know this is you know AI taking over everything it would have been cool if they could have tied this to Discovery in some way and what happened. You know, maybe salvage that second season of Discovery some way, like, you know, brought that brought that into this, you know, just tie things together. Anyway, I just wrote that yeah, down. What really was this? Control? Yeah, control. Yeah, control. Yeah. So now we have, yeah, the truth is we have multiple of these crap going on in our history now. <laughs> track of It's like, yeah, geez, at least there have been once one or something. I mean, you're forgetting the motion picture. It's just, it's just so it's just so convoluted. And uh, again, it's the kind of thing where just to even sort of be able to follow the story, you got to watch it more than once and maybe read a book. <laughs> what you did. And the way they tell the story isn't interesting enough because like we said last time, it's it's not interesting enough to watch it a second time. So you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. Either you only watch it once and you can't follow the story. Or you watch it a second time, and now you can follow the story, but now you're bored to death because it's just plot, 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 and not character stuff. And then it really makes it seem transparent and bad. Like, I'm I'm sure the show is no more bad than it was the first time I saw it, but it feels worse watching it a second time somehow, in that it makes it more transparent in all all these things that are the problems. I, I don't know. So when I when I say the this episode feels like it's paced similarly to the last episode, I think that kind of hurts it because you do kind of get bored in this episode. Like, with what's where are they going with this? They take too long to get to where they're going in this episode when they could have done it in twenty minutes, really, um, and gone on to something else. Well, and and you've got Gerardi. Remember five minutes ago when I was practically killing myself to get rid of the tracker because I was suicidal every day because of this thing they put in my brain and I killed my the love of my life and all that. I'm okay now. I'm not going to hurt anybody else. Okay. So why does this happen? I mean, I think the more interesting point is what's going on in the writing room? Does no one care about this stuff? I mean, 
are we are we out of touch in what what people really want in TV, or is is it is it is it just what's what's the what's going well, that's on? That's an here? interesting question. You know, the the I'm watching the Blu-rays of this show. On the back of the box, it had the quote from I don't remember, but from a a real publication, somebody a, a magazine or something you've heard of. Now it didn't say the person's name, <laughs> so I'm like, okay, they went out of their way to not do that. They must have hid that somewhere else. But it did have like a big publication's name. I know of at least one person who really likes this show and Discovery, but he doesn't like most Star Trek. He doesn't, he's not, you know, into the other Star Trek shows. You know, there's two questions here. It's like, is it a good show? Is it a bad show? But there's also, is it a Star Trek show? You know, now that's, the latter is, I guess everything, all, all of these things are, are personal interpretations, but I feel like I can factually argue why I'm not enjoying watching this show. And then I can do a much better job of eliciting, uh, of, of listing the reasons why it doesn't feel like a Star Trek show. Now, at the end of the day, I'm able to enjoy watching a bad Star Trek show, something like, say, Enterprise or where Voyager ended up, because I just like Star Trek. When a show like, say, Picard, that I think is not a good show, doesn't feel like Star Trek, damn, now what if I, now what's it got for me? <laughs> it's funny, you know, it's like his. It, we have our podcast. Otherwise, I would never have watched this a second time. I might even have given up on it the first time if it weren't for our podcast. I, I don't know. I also kind of, it's weird. I felt kind of claustrophobic in the show. This show, this episode, it takes entirely, it's entirely on the ship. All the characters are all together and, and they're all on, you know, it's not a very big ship. So I, in a weird way, I kind of felt claustrophobic. And yet they all had their own, they all had their own set of characters. It wasn't like they were all together doing something. They were all paired off in this kind of small ship and so it's weirdly i felt like claustrophobic watching it i wonder if like they get a you know because the way this the way trek is now and essentially you pay to watch you don't have to appeal to the masses you essentially you want to watch this you're going to pay for it and that's how it is so there's good and bad with that right because we can trek can go on forever now we can keep paying to watch it and we're always going to have trek but they, I mean, the bar is, how, where do they set the bar in terms of what can be, at, what, where can they say, oh, look, everyone's watching it. They have their, somehow can, you know, they're tracking what we see there, you know, they care. And at least we, they know, at least from what I've read, that people like Strange New Worlds or watch Strange New Worlds more than this or whatever else, right? But we're going to watch it because it's Trek. So that can, that can go on for a long time before we would just totally check out of something that's got, that has Star Trek as the opening thing. Right. And I'm talking like this now, this is like the worst thing ever. And it's not the case. I mean, it's, it's more like, I just don't understand something that should seem so obvious that convoluted plots, which is, you know, discovery and Picard and so forth. It just pervades the series. And it's the exception when we see something that's not that way. And when it when you make me feel when I can relate to characters and I can, you know, have some kind of bond with the show or something like that, that feels so much better. And I feel and I feel like it's good, something good out of it and so forth. And that, that's so rare. And I just don't I, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. If, if no one gets that, who's writing this or what's happening? I go back to like Lower Decks, which does feel like a Star Trek show. It's a new show and it does feel like Star Trek. And you know, my ability to love an animated show is probably a little bit more limited, just a personal thing compared to the way I can love a live action show. But 
it shows that you can do a modern Star Trek show that still has plenty of nostalgia, and it and it feels like Star Trek. Well, well you, you know, you look at um, Strange New Worlds. Strange New Worlds as well. It's, um, yeah, that's probably a, a more appropriate example, yeah. I mean, it's only one season in. I mean, jury's still out. Let's see if they can keep it going. But, I mean, their first season was, yeah, it felt like Star Trek. And it's not like this doesn't feel like Star Trek. And I think that's what the purpose of the show. It's not, Picard is not a captain. He's just a civilian. All the, you know, the the former crew that we see, they're they're not in Starfleet anymore. I mean, it's like. No, but, that, but look at that last Nepenthe. Riker's asking him about about his ship. And he's talking about it like, oh, my ship, my crew. And I'm like, you were on the ship for like a day. <laughs> and they were, it was a hired ship to get you to want to planet X. I mean, what? <laughs> your crew, your ship. I, what? He was very emotionally. It's like they don't know what, what they're. When it all comes down to it is you, uh, to me, you have to be able to invest in the characters. You got to care about characters, right? As soon as they, when they go off the rails is when they just make up a, a, ran, a plot and try to connect dots and just make it more convoluted so you can connect more dots. And when you don't stop and think of what do you, what, is this true to a character and do we care? Have you established that character enough to care about it? And then we, once you have those pieces together, then you can start talking about these, like what, what the crux of what we're talking about here is like, what is this about? When we are, um, when we're talking about what is an episode about, um, that's that you, to me, you've got to have character for those episodes to mean something. You you don't have, what is this episode about with a whole bunch of random plot pieces in a maze, you know, without characters in a show. I mean, maybe I wouldn't even be talking about whether it feels like Star Trek and stuff. If I just cared about the characters, maybe that alone would <laughs> make it like this, this whole, the, the nine sun, eight sons, whatever that thing, that history thing. And, and, some previous civilizations experience with artificial intelligence. There's something interesting there, but I just wish it was done another way. This entire series, just like each season of discovery, is just this massive black hole of, of nihilism. And it just doesn't end. And even when there was one episode of a normal Star Trek that felt like this it would end and then the next episode would be different <laughs> what's this episode about um i have a little more trouble kind of figuring out what this episode is about i mean obviously there are characters that come to terms with some of the things that they've done specifically um Jurati, um rios you know they kind of start the healing process. I could, you, you could even say, so she, she kind of starts to really come to terms with the fact that she's an Android. Um, but I don't know if that's really, I mean, I don't know what the episode is trying to say other than that is like, you know, you, it's, a, it's, they're just kind of coming together with um, all their issues. Steve. Yeah. I, th I mean, I think it's, yeah, I think what they're doing is trying to wrap up all these little, little, um, subplots on the for the characters and so forth so they can move into the big two-part finale really but i don't know that they successfully convey some vibe as to what they're all going through in some shared experience that we can talk about what the episode's about really and i guess another thing i mean i don't really know where they're going from here because there's the talk of them going to the starbase 11 and that's kind of another thing that this episode kind of lacks you know obviously you know we all know that there were only 10 episodes 
for this season. And there's the first time we watch this, we know there's only two episodes left. You know, most shows you can kind of see where they're going and what how this is going to go about. Um, so I mean, a lot of there's some, the, even though some characters are kind of wrapped up, there's still kind of ambig- ambiguity. Okay, I guess I guess we do kind of get that the Romulans are going to this planet to just you know destroy this synthetic life, but at the same time. I don't really understand what the the crew, the Picard crew, is um, going to do at this point. All right, let's do six degrees for broken pieces. This is an actual six degrees question. Adam, Derek Webster plays the centurion Tarrant that helps out Naris, Naris when she decides she needs to torture some XBs. He previously played Lieutenant Sanders in Next Gen's Gambit Part 1. What season of Next Gen was that? Um, Gambit part one, would that been season seven? Yes, sir. Oh my gosh. Not only is it a shutout, Adam gets every point available today. Doesn't happen often, kids. So, uh, we're going to be back in two weeks to finish out Picard's first season. And, uh, thank you so much for spending an hour with us. You can send us an email, trekcompanion at gmail.com. Our Twitter handle is at trekcompanion. And, uh, Thanks again. Until next time, take it easy. Bye, guys. See ya. I passed it.